Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. Okay, I shared with the first service as well, you guys are getting my uh, promised land sermon. Um, So I'm a little bit like the Israelites. I took six years to do a three-year journey. Um, So I've been dwelling in the wilderness of seminary. Um, But uh, you at South Bay Community get my first um, sermon post my seminary experience. So I'm very excited to be here because I have been delivered and I am set free. In Jesus' name. (laughs) So as you lift up women this month and celebrate the worth, the dignity, the strength, and the giftedness of women, I want to add to your discussion by talking about what it means to be a part of a sisterhood of women. And let me also um, just first uh, apologize, offer you a heartfelt apology um, that after this sermon, um, I have a flight out of Oakland at 2.40. Um, And so please accept my apologies. It is not my practice to preach and run. Um, I am generally the last one out of the sanctuary. So please accept my apologies. And I will do better planning next time because I realize you have an airport that's a little bit closer. Um, So please accept my apologies. So as, as you lift up women this month celebrating our worth, our dignity, our strength, I want to add to that discussion. What does it mean to be a sister. What does it mean to be a part of a sisterhood as women? In some cases, sisterhood has gone really wrong. Patriarchal, male-dominated society tends to be at the center of women's drama. Remember, there was Leah and Rachel. Jacob desired one woman and despised the other, leading to the dysfunctional relationship between their children that led the boys to sell their brother Joseph into slavery. And then there was Hagar and Sarai. Sarai came to hate Hagar because Hagar boy Abraham's first son and consequently began to belittle her master, Sarah. Sarah oppressed her sister Hagar, evicting her from the land and sending her into the wilderness to fend for herself. And then there was uh, Hannah and Penina. Penina used her strength of fertility with their husband, Elkanah, to taunt and belittle Hannah that she might falsely build her own self-esteem. Let me pause parenthetically and ask, where have you exchanged the embrace of your sisterhood for the exploitation of her weakness that you might get ahead? But there are also biblical examples of sisterhood being done really well. There's Mary and Martha. Jesus is in the middle of their struggle. One wants to serve his physical and practical needs, and and the other wants to receive truth from him and be present with him. They both win. And then there's Mary and Elizabeth. They are witnesses to the miracle of God in each other's wounds. They are encouragement and support for one another in the mystery of God. And then there's Pua and Shipra. They work together in civil disobedience to the Pharaoh of Egypt to preserve and save the lives of a generation of Hebrew boys. For these, each of these, sisterhood expanded their possibility to fully live out the purposes of God for their life. 
So for our time this morning, I want to offer up the story of Naomi and Ruth in the book of, of Ruth to define the, the, um, our topic of sisterhood. And so our um, scripture should come on the screen in a moment. And let me read it for us. We'll be uh, reading from the book of Ruth, the first chapter, verses 6 through 18. Ruth, chapter 1, 6 through 18. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them and and they wept aloud. They said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi, Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than for you because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, see, your sister-in-law, Ruth, has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, Naomi, I will go. Where you lodge, Naomi, I will lodge. Where your people shall be, your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. Where you die, sister Naomi, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and and so to me as more, as more and more as well, if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. God, I thank you for these, your people, these men and women that have gathered in this space, not to come to see Ramilia speak, but to hear what thus saith the Lord. And so, God, I pray that you would take the words from my mouth as morsels and seed of bread. And like you took the lad's little lunch, God, and, and broke the pieces into many to feed the multitude. I pray that you would take the seed of my words and break it into a million pieces that it might speak directly and very specifically to the heart of these, your people that have come to hear from you. 
holy God of all creation, we have gathered in this space to hear what you have for us today. And so, God, I pray that you would tabernacle with us. God, I pray that you would tarry with us in this place. God, I pray that your presence would rain down, and I pray that we would leave this place changed, oh God. I pray that we would leave knowing that we had been in the presence of a holy God, a holy God that comes to change us, to dwell with us, to renew us, and to continue to call us towards God. And so, God, we surrender our hearts, our minds, our spirits, our souls. We surrender ourselves to you. God, make us aware of your presence. And so now stir the soil of the hearts of these, your people, that they might be ripe soil to receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray. So we're talking about Naomi and Ruth, and the topic is, is sisterhood. Um, so I heard you got some educated, intelligent folk in your church. And so you're probably saying, what? Naomi and Ruth ain't sisters? They're in-laws. What seminary did she go to? While that is very true, life experiences have taught me that sisterhood has a much broader context that spills outside the boundaries of bloodlines. I was raised with three sisters under my parents' roof, but I have many sisters that my parents did not birth. In fact, when I looked up the official definition of sisterhood, I found some insightful interpretations of this phenomenon that we call sisterhood. Sisterhood can be defined as the relationship between two sisters, but it can also be defined as a bond between two or more girls not always related by blood. Or the solidarity of women based on shared conditions, experiences, or concerns. Or the feeling of kinship with and closeness to a group of women. A sorority website tried to get at its meaning like this. And I quote, it said, It's tough to explain what a sorority or women's fraternity truly means because sisterhood is so many things at once. So I want to spend some time this morning describing a few of those many things at once that sisterhood is. I want to highlight specifically three characteristics of sisterhood that Ruth and Naomi lived out in antiquity, but I believe are still relevant for us today. First, sisterhood is a relationship where you give and expect no return on your investment. Sisterhood is a relationship of a commitment. And finally, sisterhood is a calling. Sisterhood is a calling. A relationship where you give and expect no return on your investment. Ruth's motives were pure in wanting to hold on to Naomi. It was very clear she was not going to gain any sense of stability by entering Bethlehem with Naomi, a woman who had lost all stability in the death of her male family members. Ruth does not expect that she will get some jackpot blessing because she journeys with Naomi. But she chose to give her life for Naomi in spite of the odds before her. Some theologians argue that Ruth's vow to remain with Naomi was a conversion declaration. That Ruth was, was changed by Naomi's love for God. 
They argued she wanted to go with Naomi because she was so drawn to her faithfulness to God. While the text doesn't explicitly say that this is the, the reason that, Naomi, that Ruth followed uh, Naomi, here is what is very clear in the text. In very plain and simple fashion, we can see that she didn't want to abandon an impoverished, hopeless woman she had grown to love. In her humanity, Ruth couldn't bear to see or imagine the greater suffering this woman might endure if she allowed her to journey on her own. We can fast and pray and sit on the mourner's mourner's bench until God changes things. I get that. But sometimes God gives us the power and capacity to bless one another. Where are you holding up the blessing of a sister because you won't open your heart and extend a hand of hope and help? Where in your life is the concern for your own welfare keeping you from offering yourself to another who is in desperate need of the provision and love that God has poured into you to spill out to your sister It is the human generosity and covenant faithfulness of Ruth that gives Naomi hope for a life and a future. But Naomi was also Ruth's ticket to a future life. Naomi blesses Ruth and she says, The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Naomi is praying that each daughter-in-law find a new husband and thus security to give them hope for survival. But the one who prayed this prayer for Ruth also has a hand in helping this become true for Ruth. It was Naomi who recognized that Boaz was kin to her family. It was Naomi who gave Ruth the plan to ask Boaz to redeem the land. It was Naomi whose family connection invited Ruth into the Israelite community by marriage. Yes, let's pray. Yes, let's fast. But when we pray, might, we might also ask ourselves, is there a way that I can give to help this become reality? Might God desire to use human agency to help make this miracle come to pass? Last month in our denomination's Covenant Companion magazine, I was so moved as I read a story about Debbie Griffith Samuels and Jerome Nelson. Debbie is a leader in our central conference of the denomination, and Jerome Nelson is um, her colleague and boss as he is the superintendent of the central conference. And Debbie heard the plight of Jerome. Jerome needed a kidney transplant immediately in order to live because he wasn't interested in the decreased quality of life that dialysis would provide for him. So Debbie prayed. She prayed with her husband. And when she got off of her knees, she asked the question, how can I help? Oh, I got two kidneys. Maybe I can help. Maybe I can be used to help my brother When we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, do we believe that we can be agents of that transaction? She did. And ultimately, she gave Jerome the gift of extended life in their successful transplant exchange. 
we have the power to bring the kingdom of God to the earth when we display the divine presence of God through our human reflection of God's love. When our actions cause women and men to praise our God, we have participated in bringing God's kingdom of heaven to the earth. Sisterhood is a relationship where you give and expect no return on your investment. A relationship of commitment. Sisterhood is a relationship of commitment. Being disconnected from men in a patriarchal context brings calamity for Ruth and Naomi. But theologian Phyllis Tribble says this of their plight. A young woman has committed herself to the life of an old woman rather than search for a husband. One female has chosen another female in a world where life depends upon men. There is no more radical decision in all the memories of Israel, end quote. A woman's hope for security in this society was to be found in her community of husband and sons. A connection to a man was her security. I would like to think that this is a historical approach to life. A time that remains behind us. But it calls to mind the life of Amy Anita Joyner Francis, the 16-year-old student at a Delaware high school who died at the hands of a group of girls in a bathroom brawl. It has been rumored by other students that they were fighting over a boy. And a 16-year-old lost her life. Widowed daughters in this culture are expected to return to their parents' household, to pursue opportunities to be remarried and reconnected to the protective custody of men while their parents oversee the process. But here Ruth throws off that command to follow the more dire command of God to care for the widows. Ruth makes a declaration of loyalty and covenant connection and friendship with Naomi. Ruth declared, no matter what, I will choose to stay connected to you in order to care for your needs. What woman have we committed to nurturing? Or what woman have we risked vulnerability to ask for help in some devastated place of our life? Ruth displays hesed to Naomi, translated from the Hebrew as loyalty. But it's better translated as covenant faithfulness, steadfast love, loving kindness. They were both changed by this commitment to be joined together in sisterhood. This hesed displayed by humanity mirrors the hesed of God towards God's people. Ruth's constant hesed, her steadfast love towards Naomi, causes Naomi's cold and hardened heart to thaw and be transformed into a heart that became enlivened with hope and a plan for the future and a desire to live. 
we play a viable role in the condition of the life of our sisters? Will we allow them to remain in their broken state? Or will we pursue them with the chesed of God, the steadfast love of God, and invoke the divine presence of God by reflecting God's character to them? Chesed, loving kindness, steadfast love is the glue that holds this sisterhood together. Verse 14 says, Ruth clung to her. Incidentally, the word used to express this phrase is the same Hebrew word used to express the clinging of a husband to his wife. Insinuating in this context that Ruth made a covenantal declaration to remain with, to care for her mother-in-law. Ruth makes a vow that says in sickness or in health, I will remain committed to loving and caring for you. Sisterhood is a relationship of commitment. They offer it to one another and they are both blessed by it. The steadfast love of chesed refers to gestures offered to one another out of an open heart to give and serve, not because you have to, but because you want to. Not because you have to, but because you feel compelled to, this, this is the commitment of sisterhood. And finally, sisterhood is a calling. Sisterhood is a calling. Moab is the place where Naomi found herself a refugee because her hometown was suffering from a famine in the land. In the days of the Israelite wilderness experience, the Israelites also spent time in the Moab desert. Moab was liminal space for the Israelites. Liminal space, that is the space where you are no longer what you were, but you're not quite yet what you're going to be. Liminal space. She was in between. The Israelites were healing from their oppressor-induced slave mentality in the liminal space of the wilderness before they were promoted to inherit freedom in the land of blessing and promise. Liminal space is oftentimes a place where God takes us on a deep sea dive to excavate the underbelly of our souls to help us reclaim what really matters. And in reclaiming the reality of really what really matters, we experience the shaping of a call. For the Israelites, it was a call to freedom. And for Naomi and her daughters-in-law, it was a call to forge the relational bonds of sisterhood in order to survive. Naomi and her family had fled the place of hunger and famine and found themselves in between. They're in Moab, they're in liminal space, they're in the in-between juncture of life. Naomi is called, called to weave the threads of sisterhood with these women. These women who share and enter her dark reality of life's hardship, life's disappointment, life's stillborn hopes and dreams. Have you ever had this experience? 
I wonder if you, if you thought about your closest friends, if you might not find that those relationships were stirred in very bleak and dark times of life. Sisterhood is a calling. About eight years ago, a good friend of mine called me to tell me she was having trouble breathing at work. And it was so bad this particular day that she found herself at the emergency room. Weeks and months of tests revealed that my 30-something-year-old friend had developed sarcoidosis. Sarcoidosis is an autoimmune, life-threatening disease that attacks your lungs, scar tissue develops, breathing becomes difficult, and 24-hour oxygen is eventually required as the disease progresses. My young friend, who was an otherwise normal, healthy professional, was now confined to a room connected with a leash, as she liked to call it, to an oxygen tank. If we wanted to go and hang out outside of the house, she had to determine how much oxygen she had remaining for the month in her traveling oxygen tanks, being careful to ration the breath of life. The trauma of this disease on her body caused her to lose everything, substantially decreasing her quality of life. She had to quit her job and sell her house. She moved into her 10 by 10 childhood bedroom at her parents' home. And her husband, who couldn't handle the stress of it all, abandoned her. While we prayed for miraculous healing, it was eventually revealed by doctors that her only chance for survival was a double lung transplant. In her Moab place, she had to remain within a two-hour radius of the hospital for the years that she was on the transplant list. I vividly remember the 12-hour day she spent at the hospital. This was shortly after being put on the transplant list, being poked and prodded all the way down to the inked markup on her chest that outlined where it would be cracked open to remove the diseased lungs and make room for the new. I was there when the doctors revealed after all this intense prep work that after the lungs arrived and were flushed and cleaned, it was determined they were not viable enough to implant. About five years into her ordeal, she became and is now, three years later, a successful transplant recipient. Walking beside her in Moab, I saw her life birth the fraternal twins of despair and hope, loss and renewal, death and new life, broken relationships, and yet the start of new ones. I journeyed with her while she stared death in the face every day of her five-year ordeal. And at some point right in the middle of Moab, she was no longer my good friend. She had become my sister. 
There was a calling in my soul to remain by her side. A calling that compelled me not to leave her alone in this bitter place of despair. My life had been connected and intertwined with hers. I wept when she wept and I I rejoiced when she rejoiced. Sisterhood. It's a calling. Sisterhood (laughs) is a calling. If you are sitting in a place of the dark night of your soul, look around you and ask yourself, who has God placed by my side as a constant presence that won't leave in spite of the horror of what life is taking me through? There in that constant human presence is the divine presence of God in your midst. Your Moab represents the boundary to the promised land. God forged a relationship in the liminal space of Moab that Naomi might not enter her promised land alone, that she might have a witness to the goodness of God in the land of the living, that she might have a witness to the desolation and then restoration of her life. Ruth represents a woman who had seen Naomi with fullness, seen Naomi with emptiness, and then had the privilege of seeing her ultimately restored to fullness again at the hand of God. In the liminal space of Moab, Naomi's identity was changed and her foundation was shaken. Naomi's identity changed from wife and mother to widow. There were no men remaining in their lives, but in the place of that loss, a sisterhood was being formed among these three women. Ruth loved Naomi through the changes in her identity. Ruth was a witness. Your your sister acts as a witness to the writing of God's story through your life. Sisterhood is a a calling to be a witness to God's faithfulness in the life of your sister. Sisterhood is a calling to be faithfulness when your sister can't see it. Sisterhood is a calling to love your sister through the hard places in life. These women began a journey together. And then Naomi says, stop, wait a minute. You go back to your families because even if we find food in Bethlehem, I can't provide for your needs long term. Shovanah, which is Hebrew for return or, or turn back, is used three times in verses 8 through 12. And so this indicates that the text is trying to teach us something. Its nuance is an urging from Naomi to turn back to an original state or condition. She is asking her daughters to turn back to their former life to find safety there amongst her family. They are being asked to make a choice. Well, actually, Naomi is making the choice for them. She decided they should return where there might be a sure hope for their future. She blessed them and wanted them to return to a place where they could more likely be guaranteed to have a home and a future with a husband and a family. But where is home? Where is home? Is it a certain geographical location with cultural markers that say, I belong here with these people and places that I am comfortable with? Or is home a place where you can hang your heart with people you have been drawn to and called towards to love and engage in their plight of suffering? Ruth was able to look at Naomi's suffering and say, I love you too much to leave you right here. 
I care too much about you to not do my part to make your life and my life whole again. For Ruth, it would be a big gamble. She would enter a foreign nation and live amongst foreign peoples who would not understand her ways of being in the world. But for Ruth, this was her responsibility. It was her responsibility as a sister of Naomi, as a caretaker of Naomi, as one who had been called to love and care for her to ensure that even if it cost her discomfort and a paradigm shift, she was willing to go to answer the call even if it disrupted and interrupted her life, to answer the call to care for someone else's. Ruth saw something in Naomi that she wanted to hold on to. She said, no, I can't allow you to take this trip alone. You need me and I need you. They work together. They, they do life together. They encourage one another. They inspire one another. And ultimately, they find that their lives are restored to wholeness and peace together. Sisterhood, it's a calling. And in conclusion, verse 12, in verse 12, Naomi hypothetically says, well, if there was hope for me, hope for a future meant husband and children, And here Naomi is declaring her state of hopelessness because that can't happen for her. But how beautiful would it be, church, if every woman under the sound of my voice could do like Ruth. And regardless of her condition and state in life right now, she could commit to chesed, to doing loving kindness to another sister. A sister who is in a dire season of helplessness and thinks all hope is lost. And at this point, I'm going to ask us to just enter a moment of silence to allow the Holy Spirit to speak and to challenge us, to challenge us to call to the call of sisterhood this morning, a challenge to offer care and practical provision to some woman in your life who can't repay you. Maybe God is stirring in your heart someone who is already in your life. Maybe you need to pray for God to allow someone in need to cross your path. And I'm going to leave us space to do that um, in just a moment here. When God stirs in your heart the name or the face of this person you already know, or when God brings this woman across your path, you will have a choice. You can be like Orpah and turn back to what you were doing not wanting to interrupt your life any more than it has already been interrupted. Or you can choose to be like Ruth and claim that no matter what the cost, I will be a reflection of God's chesed in the world. And this does not come as an opportunity to guilt you into doing the work of God begrudgingly because my God loves a cheerful giver. One who gives not from a place of I have to, but one who gives from a place of I want to. Know that the Orpah spirit will not strip you of your salvation today. You will not be cursed by God and die. But I wonder how the condition of your life might be changed when you welcome the opportunity to embody the God presence to your sister. And this will look very different for each of you, for each of us. 
For some, it may be a call to adoption or to fostering, to, to mentoring, to, to caring uh, for a, a child um, in your own family. It may look like uh, being present with a woman going through divorce. It may look like asking a more mature woman to be a spiritual mother to you. You may uh, be asking God to sit you in a place of Naomi or in a place of Ruth. But I believe that this is a call for all of us this morning. And I pray that we would hear it as a call to embody the presence of God in very practical ways. To embody a spirit of sisterhood amongst the women that God has set in your world. Many times we want to run off and change the world, but I wonder if we just tried to change the world right around us, how much we can make an impact on the kingdom of God. And so let's just take a moment, if you would bow your heads, to just listen for how the Holy Spirit wants to incline you to be a sister to answer the call of being a sister to some woman, to some friend, maybe someone known or unknown to you. I'm going to ask that you just listen for the Holy Spirit's leading in this moment. And maybe for some of you, it, it means celebrating a sisterhood that you have. And so offer praise to God for that relationship in this moment. Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church, located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m., and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.